Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology. Today we're going to take a look at Mercury's retrograde in the sign of Capricorn. I think this is going to be an amazing retrograde cycle, and I'm going to try to share with you guys today the different contextual factors that really make this Mercury retrograde stand out. Um, every retrograde cycle is different, whether it's Venus, Mars, Mercury. You can't just say, oh, Mercury's retrograde, so don't buy a plane ticket. Um, I mean, there are certain Mercury retrograde features like revisions or delays or reversals of circumstance that are sort of common or universal, but every retrograde cycle is really different. What's happening when Mercury stations? What about when it's going retrograde through the combustion? What aspects does it make? Is it protected in dignity from the combustion by being in its own chariot? Or what happens at the time of the Kazemi? What's happening when it uh, retrogrades through the combustion and into the morning star position, recovering on the other side? All of those little nuances will make each retrograde cycle very different from any other cycle that we've ever had. Um, and so today, what I hope to do is show you why I think this is going to be an amazing cycle by looking at some of those details. So that's our goal for today. Before we get into it, don't forget to like and subscribe, share your comments and reflections. And uh, don't forget that uh, you can find a transcript of today's talk on the website, nightlightastrology.com. Guys, as you know, we are trying to rally the support of 1,777 backers from our audience to support this channel, the work, and my team and staff uh, in the new year. Right now, as of the time that I'm recording this, we have 470 backers toward our goal of 1777, which means we still need 1307 backers by New Year's Eve. Thank you so much to everyone who has already pitched in. You can find the link to uh, support the Kickstarter at the top of the comment section and in the description of this video. Um, frankly, we're a little behind our pace, like where we hope to be. So I'm really hoping we can make a big push this week and next week and uh, really rally your support. If you haven't already, we would deeply appreciate your support. Um, I think if we're gonna if we're gonna make our goal, and who knows what every year is a little different. So I've, this has happened before, where it's like we're not quite on the pace that's normal. But some years I've been doing this for ten years. Not every year is like identical in terms of the the trajectory of how the support comes in. So, and I also just trust that whatever the results are going to be, that's what they're going to be. Um, but if you haven't yet, please consider supporting us and helping us try to reach our goal. Um, I wanted to tell you today, as I have been at the start of the video, a little bit more about myself, the Kickstarter, why it's worth supporting. Today, two ideas that are, are behind the original launching of the Kickstarter. So when I launched, this is our 10th year doing this. When I launched this 10 years ago, there were two basic ideas behind the Kickstarter, why I decided to do a Kickstarter. I was doing content all of the time. And the, the basic idea behind it, before I even get into these, I was doing content year round, five, six, sometimes seven days a week back in the day. And um, I realized that there's a lot of people that were consuming it and it was taking an enormous amount of my time. And yet there was, it was not a part of any like revenue or it was, there was nothing that was, that I wasn't getting paid for it essentially. And so I was like, you know, if I'm going to keep doing this and I enjoy doing it, I have to make sure that I'm it's part, it's contributing to earning my, a living because there's a huge amount of research and time and prayer and like it, just so much that goes into it that I was like, I have to come up with something. So the first idea behind the Kickstarter was, and this was before Patreon came out and I've stuck with Kickstarter rather than other models, even though I think some of them may achieve similar things, but the first idea was that I want this content to be free and accessible and I I need to earn a living from doing it 
Um, and at this point, it's that plus supporting a staff and a whole other load of things that we've built and developed over the years. But it's like, I need to make the content accessible. I want this astrology content, which I think is of a very good quality. And I, and I mean, at least it's the best that I've got, you know, and it's always, I'm always improving, getting better, but it's like every year I pour myself into it. I don't hold back. I just completely go for it and try to make the best stuff that I've got. And I want that to be free and accessible to people because I think it's a value like, like that. And there's a lot of people out there who maybe can't afford or, you know, so I want, and the ancient astrologers said that astrology should be accessible because it's of spiritual value. So I just like, I have to make this accessible. I don't want to use subscriptions or paywalls. And so I'm going to do a Kickstarter. And if even a small percentage of the audience pitches in, I will have gotten paid for the work I've done and it will still have been accessible and free for the majority of people consuming it. And so that was one of the original ideas that, you know, was behind this, the starting of the Kickstarter 10 years ago. The second one, which is just as important to me, it, it didn't start right away. It, it took a couple of years, but it was like, you know what, this is, this is amazing because it turns out that if I do this, it's, it's really rooted in a, a fundamental trust that I have, that who I am and what I'm doing in this content creation is, is valuable and uh, worthy of, um, you know, receiving like compensation for. And on the other hand, I, I know if I know that, and I can also trust that that's the, where the worth is, then I can trust that there's an audience that values that and will reciprocate freely and openly. And so it was like, it was, it was really a model that was rooted in the trust of the kind of the goodness of people and the value of my work and that there can be just an open reciprocal exchange like that. Um, and then the second piece was that I knew that if the Kickstarter was successful beyond the minimum goals that would just like fund me, keep me going, kind of meet my business goals and stuff like that in terms of like my, um, my personal earnings and living that beyond that, what we could do is start building things. And we've built a lot of really amazing things over the years because of the success of the Kickstarter. So like I was mentioning earlier this week, we have the donation or the affordable reading service. We hope to uh, generate we're trying to build up students. There's so many things with the community herbal medicine garden we've built. We built one in Maryland and then we, we moved to Minnesota. We rebuilt it in Minnesota. Um, we give, herbal medicine to people for free. We host, you know, women's gatherings in the circle in the garden for free. So there's a lot of things that we do to build it. So those are the two ideas behind the Kickstarter originally. This is a way of making sure that I don't ever have to use some kind of subscription or paywall service that um, makes the content. I want the content to be free and accessible to everyone. And so it's rooted in this trust that I have in the value of my work and in the generosity of the audience to, to also value the work. And then the idea is that we can use the Kickstarter to build things that give back. So those are the two ideas behind the Kickstarter. I hope that you guys will really enjoy today's video on Mercury Retrograde. And if you have a second and you value the content, please consider joining uh, our, our goal for the year is 1,777 backers. We could really use your support. You can find the link again at the top of the comment section or in the description of this video. Okay, enjoy today. Bye. All right, today we are looking at Mercury's retrograde in the sign of Capricorn. And I wanna spend some time talking about why this is not just another retrograde and what makes this retrograde pretty powerful. 
You guys know if you watch my channel, I don't spend time on every single Mercury retrograde cycle. I spend time on things that I think um, are going to be more significant. There's a lot of transits that come by and some are much more potent than others. Some moon cycles are much more potent than others. Some retrogrades are more powerful than others. And that's that's true for all astrological events year round. There are some things that all Mercury retrogrades share in common, reversals, delays, editing, revision, setbacks, reversals of circumstance, reversals in the way we think about things, troubles buying plane tickets, delays at the airport, you know, maybe some issues with technology you purchased during the time. So you get the idea like, yeah, there's a generic level at which all Mercury retrogrades are sort of the same. But to really understand every you know mercury retrograde cycle and what it is going to bring you have to look at the overall context of the entire cycle it's an entire movement that's happening uh where mercury is transitioning from evening star to morning star turning retrograde going through combustion kazemi coming out the other side rising as the morning star appearing as the morning star starting to pick up speed and move direct again all of that is significant and not just that whole process but what's happening during that process surrounding mercury what is mercury doing with other planets during that period of time and so this cycle is unique because there are a lot of very dramatic things happening as mercury goes through its retrograde cycle so that's what we're going to do today we're going to look at these key features so these are mercury retrograde and capricorns key features that make it quite potent uh, and why we should be taking some extra time with it um, let's first of all take a look at the astrological chart that corresponds with the starting of this date, uh, this cycle, excuse me, uh, which is, here we go. You can see Mercury at the bottom here, and I'll use my little epic pen to highlight it. Here's Mercury stationing. You see the little S above it, and it will turn retrograde here on Thursday the 14th. Now, it, different, you're going to find that you have a different time marker for, but here it is, like round 159, 2 in the morning, Thursday, December 14th. There it is. So it's retrograde. Moon happens to be going right over it as it turns retrograde, which is another little interesting feature, though not one I'm going to spend time with, but that's interesting as well. Really means that the start of this retrograde has, it has a little pop to it, which by the way, when any planet is stationing direct or retrograde and you had the moon highlighting it right at that moment, it, can just, it just means it'll be a little brighter. There's a source of light that's hitting it. The moon as a reflector, like a mirror that mirrors whatever it touches will be amplifying the power of the station. With retrogrades, of course, there's always, as the planet is falling back into the primary motion and out of the secondary motion, uh, it is so, sort of like the hand of God or a larger hand of fate is taking over. There's less control. Sometimes there's frustration, setbacks, limitations, because the hand of fate is coming in and taking us through a topsy-turvy set of reversals, setbacks, delays, revisions. And that's all because Mercury is also dying as the evening star and being reborn as the morning star. There's a key kind of ref reformation that happens during the process. The moon amplifies that at the start of the cycle. But now let's look at the other features that make this really powerful. The first is that we have a, an entire week as the cycle opens with Mercury trining Jupiter. Watch this as we um, play it out day at a time. And actually what I'll do here is I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to actually anchor in Libra so that we don't the chart doesn't move okay so watch I'm going to do it one day at a time one two three four five see how now at five days in we've just gone through the trine to Jupiter six and seven 
that puts us within the three degree range seven days out. So for a full week, Mercury is in a very close trine with Jupiter. Now, as Mercury turns retrograde and things can break down or start to change, but you have a constructive, supportive, benefic trine from Jupiter, the planet of the, that likes to grant coherence to things, what do you think is happening? A change is being made, but for the better. A change is being made, but help is on the way. A change is being made in the way you receive or give support. A change is being made in terms of allies and friends. A revision or shift is being made, but it has the support needed for it to be a smoother transition, for it to be practically useful. That's one of the great promises of this moment, you could say. Now, it depends on what houses it falls in. You know, if it's in the eighth house, it might be a little more difficult. It's in the twelfth house, right? The sixth. But generally speaking, this is an auspicious omen for the starting of the retrograde cycle. Now, it doesn't, it's not like the whole thing is easy. There are some bumps along the way. But it's also significant because this is a Jupiter. As you notice, the sun about to cross the sign boundary and trine Jupiter. That means Jupiter's about to turn direct at the end of December. So it's a connection with a Jupiter that is going from retrograde to direct. So it's receiving the support of another planet who's just finished a revision process. That's interesting. Now you really get an amplification of the, the theme of kind of practical revision, a practical beneficial turning point, seeing the results of some kind of change that you're starting to make. And, and the Jupiter turning direct is part of that. The next thing to watch for, which is super interesting, is... Look, the Kazemi is happening on the solstice. So it's a winter solstice from the standpoint of the symbolic zodiac, which comes from the northern hemisphere as a relative orientation. It's not to be taken literally. It's, a, it's the solstice moment on a symbolic level that can be applicable for anyone, whether you're in the northern or southern hemisphere. Of course, in the northern, northern hemisphere, we call it the winter solstice. But the point is that that solstice moment, symbolically speaking, is about the return of light. The, the slow dawning of light from within darkness, but also the theme of having to carry the cross up the mountain, right? There's a long, arduous journey that Capricorn takes as it carries the mission of the, the ideal, uh, the ideal image of the light that the pole star that the sun is now headed towards, carries it on its shoulders up the mountain. Okay, so the Mercury retrograde hits the Kazemi to that sun on the solstice. That is a very powerful, another very powerful omen of this retrograde being about an empowered turning point, a time when things really start to launch and, and the, the long journey is, it, there's a sense of like, I can do this. It's hard, it's long, it's slow, but I'm, I'm feeling supported and I'm feeling empowered to do hard things or to do long, slow things. And I can see the path ahead. I have a 20,000 foot view or I have the long-term dream and vision and I'm, I'm moving my way toward it and I'm getting advice or insight about how to do it. So these are really nice signs. Uh, of course, you have to be careful maybe for a kind of like, you know, there might be something a little ruthless or like the ambition is sort of cold and steely and win at all costs. And that might be a shadow, but still in terms of like just the, the constructive use of energy and the changes being made for long-term benefits and progress, Jupiter turning direct, the Mercury Kazemi on the solstice. This is nice stuff. I really like this cycle. Now, then what happens, this is where the cycle gets a little bit more difficult. On the recovering side, which is to say on the side of the retrograde where Mercury leaves the combustion after the Kazemi starts to recover, it has also entered its exile. 
and it's invisible under the light of the sun. Now it's going through a, a gradual process of becoming the morning star. And you can see this at the bottom of the chart here. Uh, let me just highlight it. So here's Mercury coming out on that side. Um, so as it retrogrades, it goes back into its exile. It goes into the sign of Jupiter, which is nice because we've just had some really nice contact with Jupiter, but now it can't see Jupiter. It can't see Jupiter and it's in it's naturally it's in its exile and it, it has an aversion to Jupiter. So, and then the next thing that happens is it squares Neptune. Take this forward just a little bit more and we get a square to Neptune coming through. Sorry, I had to pause my video there for a second. Someone was beeping their horn in my driveway and I had no idea why they just beat their horn and turned around and left. So, well, this is funny because things get real strange when, when Mercury squares Neptune. You get little signs and omens. <laughs> That's interesting. So Mercury squares Neptune. Let me point it out here. All right. Here's the square. Now that is happening closely, like right next to the next moment for Mercury, which is the conjunction to Mars. And I'm going to take this out now so you can see it at the bottom of the screen. Let's go down in size just a bit. So here's the conjunction to Mars and both are going through squares to Neptune. So what happens here now is they're both in Jupiter ruled signs. Jupiter's turning direct, but it's as though Mercury is going through some kind of testing period. It, it, everything looked really smooth and nice. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, are we going too far? Are we going too fast? Um, now we're now we're going into territory that could get more fanatical or almost like losing track of the goal or becoming swept up in something and maybe you know on the other hand the mercury mars square neptune feels like what emerges in this process is some kind of a, a conviction a mission a purpose and it and it's uh it's reaching some kind of fever pitch and and mercury's trying to carry this energy into um, its appearance as the morning star. And Mercury's coming out kind of like a, a pro, like a, maybe like a biblical sense, like it's like prophetic and a little angry and driven, but it's also like contagious and enthusiastic and you know, kind of kind of has a, a sense of zeal and charisma that's very, uh, very compelling. So very interesting space that Mercury enters into around the backside of the retrograde as it's coming into morning star position. And it, right now it's about 10 degrees away from the sun as it makes these squares. And then the next thing that happens after this kind of zealous, intense, but maybe maybe also very motivating squares to Neptune, it, it, possible to not th see things clearly during this point in time. And there's so much charisma and energy and excitement about the initial phase of the retrograde that this comes through and it's like, whoa, okay, you know, do I need to slow my roll a little bit or am I going too far somehow? Or maybe there's an, an added sense of, again, like, like inspiration or vision that's coming through. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very interesting retrograde cycle. And then after that, we get this. Mercury will then go through its station. And the station comes here. You can see it right around January 2nd. The station comes as it's in Jupiter's sign and Jupiter has just turned direct. Then Mercury turns direct. You see how this cycle is all about Mercury and Jupiter? And Mercury and Jupiter, when they come together, 
our, our, can, can broaden our mind, broaden our perspective. They can come up with intelligent plans that also build like a unified order out of something. It's about intelligence and wisdom, and it's about practicality and renewal and uh, some kind of deeper emerging wisdom, expertise, understanding, and a lot of excitement too. Now, um, I feel like almost like I'm captured by the excitement of all of this in in like um, my discussion of it today, which is also maybe, you know, I don't know, it's like the Neptune square, like maybe that's something to be careful of. But I feel like this one has just this like, we're getting on a train, you know, it's like the Polar Express. We're going, we're going to, we're going to the North Pole, guys. <laughs> anyway, so stations direct just after Jupiter stations direct. So they're, they're working together. Then we see the square to Neptune again. The square to Neptune comes back and we're, we're going through the same kind of visionary gauntlet around January 9th that Mercury already went through. The next piece of this is it enters Capricorn and it enters Capricorn just after exalted Mars in Capricorn has passed through the trine to Jupiter. It's like just as Mercury's peaking and moving back into Capricorn, where it will configure once again to the trine with Jupiter, an exalted Mars, which Jupiter, remember, conjoined with, has entered Capricorn and started also working constructively with Jupiter. You get the feeling again that Jupiter's moving a mountain, and it's a very big and dramatic turning point. Um, and it's got a lot of, uh, there. there is um, some real muscle behind all of this. Mercury enters Capricorn, starts trining Jupiter just after Mars trines Jupiter. And then the final thing to notice is this, and this is where it gets like, whoa, this is what really took it over the top for me as an astrologer going like, this is not a normal Mercury retrograde cycle. So Mercury hits that trine to Jupiter again. Look at this. This is January 19th. Hits the trine to Jupiter once more, now having completed its full cycle, a bright luminous morning star hanging out with Mars as the morning star, who is also exalted in Capricorn, both trining Jupiter, who's just turned direct. And voila, the sun conjoins Pluto the next day, and then both enter Aquarius. Like, okay, that's a hell of an ending. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> Geez, that is a quite a cycle. There, th this is a profound level of transformation that occurs as Mercury wraps up the entire thing and hits Jupiter again. And look at Mercury's reached the very end, its station point around eight Capricorn. It's just passed through the sextile, the trine to Jupiter once more, and Pluto and the Sun cooperatively enter Aquarius. It is as though this Mercury retrograde is shifting things that is somehow connected overall to this powerful ingress of Pluto into Aquarius. To me, that means that new ideas are starting to form and we're going through a revision process that will usher them forth. Um, and there's some temptations along the way, like fanatical, fuzzy, extreme thinking, not seeing things totally clearly, going a little too far, too hard, too fast. Talked a little bit about like uh, undigested or not carefully considered ideas that we run after too quickly. Maybe some of that's in the air with all of this, but also just the 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 like rocket booster, the kind of jet fuel of this retrograde process overall, concluding as it does with the sun Pluto conjoining and going into Aquarius is, I mean, what else is there to say? That's just, it's a very powerful cycle. Uh, probably the most powerful uh, 
the the most powerful Mercury retrograde cycle that I've seen in a couple of years. I mean, I could look back and maybe there's been another one that I would be like, well, that was a really, really strong one. But if you notice the signatures from the start of the cycle all the way through the end, it's bonkers. So, and I, you know, like what, what I can say about like what it's really important to do is you're like, okay, that's a really interesting story. What do I do with that personally? Track the cycle. We have all the dates listed on this video, write them down and journal. One of the main ways that people miss astrology, that they like hearing this because it's like, wow, that's a cool story. I like connecting to the feeling that there's like a big, interesting story playing out, but you miss it if you don't take the time to track it. I mean, like I'd say to like half of my students, they're like, you know, how do you, how do you end up capturing all the stories that you capture, you know, about the astrology transits? Cause you're always full of stories. And the answer is I journal, you know? I have a kind of photographic memory. I think maybe Mercury and Cancer is a little bit like, I've just noticed like uh, Mercury in the sign of the moon tends to have very good memory. Uh, that's because the moon was actually the ruler of memory in ancient astrology, perhaps. I don't know. So I, I've always had a pretty good memory is what I'm trying to say. But e nonetheless, if you don't, and even if you do, there you should track and just, and don't track for the sake of trying to fit your experiences to the astrology. Track without any sense of, what it means other than to parallel the tracking with the dates I mentioned. When you do so, then and you look back and read the whole thing, most of the time you're going to see the planetary waves moving through it. And it's it's really cool if you take time to do that. So that's what I would advise in terms, and you could look at the whole sign house placements of, you know, Sag, Cap, and Taurus, for example, in this one, with a little bit of Pisces thrown in and, and you know, see how things are coming together, build a, a big narrative if you want to. Um, but also just tracking out the patterns uh, can be super amazing. And, you know, don't forget that Mercury is, was Hermes was called the guide of souls. And so, you know, this process will often be about a shifting in perspective that comes because of learning and growth that we're doing personally. So all of this can be applied psychologically um, in, in our internal world. It doesn't have to be connected to like all this stuff happening in the external world. Sometimes it sounds like throughout the, the discussion of the, the, the patterns, but anyway, okay, that is it for today. That was a, that was a romp feeling, feel like I need to go I need to go, go to the gym and run on the treadmill. <laughs> anyway, I hope you guys have a great Mercury retrograde cycle. Be sure to drop in and tell us your stories. Use the hashtag grabbed or email us your story grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. And don't forget, we need your help. We're trying to get to 1,777 backers by New Year's. We have a long way to go right now, but we could really use your help getting there. You can pick up some great rewards when you uh, bundle classes together that save you up to 75% off, 50% off if you get just one of our online classes. There's readings. My book is available. Uh, so yeah, thank you to everyone who's already donated. And if you haven't yet, please consider helping us. All right. That's it for today. Hope you guys are having a good one. We'll see you again tomorrow.